G'day and welcome to Occupied. My name's Brock Cook and as always, this is your fortnightly fix for all things OT and occupation related. Today, I'd like to have a look at something that may rustle a few jimmies, but I'd like to discuss the idea that smart goals might actually be pretty stupid. So I'd like to have a chat about something that I am very aware is probably going to confuse and maybe annoy some people. And it's something that I've often talked about, willing to talk about whenever the opportunity comes up, in fact. But it's why I believe that smart goals are, in fact, quite stupid. I've never really liked them. I think there's much better ways and better options. And I don't actually think they are the best suited way of setting goals for the majority of people. And I'm going to explain why. So... Firstly, for those of you who don't know, you've probably been living under a rock, but what is a SMART goal? So SMART is most obviously an acronym for specific, measurable, attainable, relevant, and time-bound or time limit. The purpose of a SMART goal is meant to be to set uh, very concrete, specific, or specific, measurable, attainable, relevant, time-bound goals, and the meant to be able to help people achieve their goals in a much more organized and, I guess, process-driven fashion. Now, I'm not going to argue that that does sound good on paper, yeah? But why is it that the majority of people, when we talk about goal setting, straight away revert to SMART goals? There's probably a few theories, but the theory that I firmly believe is that that's the only way that we are ever taught to do them. We're never shown any other way of setting goals. There's a heap of different acronyms, methods, formulas for goal setting, but we always revert to SMART goals because it's the only one that we're ever really taught. It's the only one that's ever utilized. But SMART goals were designed for business and project management. So why would we straight away assume that they're going to be the best for people's health? And I'm sure if you looked back through time about how we came to be teaching SMART goals at universities and schools, etc., you'd probably find that that link was from business. It may have come from business through HR departments setting up progression plans and gradually trickled down, as lots of things do, into other aspects of society. However they got there, they are by far and away the most dominant method of goal setting that we are taught and utilize today. My issue with them is, there's quite a few issues actually. The first one and the one that I quote the most is the fact that your goals have to be realistic. This very rigid structure around goal setting doesn't really fit how we as human beings operate. We are always taught that we operate in very fluid and ever-changing contexts that we engage in, and that's where the concept of occupation comes from. But when we're actually setting goals, we make everything so rigid that any deviation outside of that goal then negates the goal itself. Smart goals are not fluid or not smart enough to keep up with the ever-changing environment and circumstance that we actually live in. And I know people are going to put up the argument that, oh, if it changes, then you reset your goals. 
But is that how we live our lives? If every time something changes, do we sit down and completely reset what we're doing? No, we adjust or we go with the flow or we deviate to a new plan, but we never except for really drastic circumstances, sit down and completely reset everything we do every time something changes because nothing would ever get done. Working in mental health and working with people that are at times living through a different lens of reality, it's really got me thinking, this is early on in my practice, it really got me thinking about where the value in goal setting actually is. Obviously, a goal is aimed to get you to a certain point, whether it's a certain skill set, a certain place, a certain level of achievement, etc., etc. It's designed with the end point in mind. But what if I told you that the value in a journey is in the journey, not in the end point? So, and I always pose this particular question to any of my students. What if you were working with someone who said that their goal was to make it to the moon? Would you, one, tell them that was stupid because it's highly unrealistic goal and we couldn't possibly put it in a smart format? Or two, work with them about what they felt they needed to do in order to get to the moon and break that down into things that they could actually do so that they were still progressing forward in a direction. Now, it's an interesting concept because I know a lot of people who work in mental health are often told not to feed into delusions and hallucinations. However, I strongly believe that there is a way that you can work with someone in a slightly altered reality from your own without feeding that reality, but also without completely dismissing their goals. And lucky for us, it fits perfectly with client-centered practice. Because one of the things that none of us most likely know is how to get to the moon. Bear with me. But if I talk to said person who's decided that that's what they want to do and they tell me, like I said, stated before, these are the things that I think I need to do. One, I'm going to need to lose some weight so I fit in the spacesuit. I'm going to need to learn to hold my breath. Don't know why. I'm going to need to learn to dance the tango. Whatever it is, it really, honestly, it doesn't actually matter what it is. As long as it's some sort of health positive behavior and it's not I need to take a whole heap of drugs etc so a health positive behavior or I don't know if Rebecca Twinley might say a light occupation if that's the opposite to a dark occupation I'm unsure aside from that simple qualifier it doesn't really matter what the goal is if you get someone working towards it what are they doing they're engaging in occupation now what do we do as OTs we aim to engage people in occupation. And our belief is that the engagement in occupation is the actual mechanism for impacting on health. It's not whether or not that occupation is completely directed towards a very realistic goal. It's just engaging them in the occupation. Now, before you jump down my throat, I am in absolutely no way saying that goals are completely redundant. I'm not saying they're redundant at all. In fact, I do believe that they are very important and they serve a very important purpose to us in our daily lives and in achieving some of the things that we want to do. I just believe that our perspective on them is very 2D and I think we need to 
adopt a different perspective. And I think we'll be actually be much more productive if we adopt a different perspective on goals. One of the concepts about SMART goals that has always sort of bugged me was the fact that it needed to be attainable. To me, I, I never fully understood this because if we were only ever going to do something that we already knew we could do, how would we ever innovate anything? How would we ever invent anything? How would we ever evolve if we were only ever doing things that we already knew that we could do? The whole concept just never fit very well with me. Again, looking at a very business-orientated perspective, you'll often see quotes about making goals that scare you and goals you sh- your life shouldn't be confined to a checklist checklist and that some parts should leave you completely clueless. The business sector is where the smart goal process actually originated. And I believe that a lot of these quotes that we're seeing in the last 10 years, probably 20 years now, are an evolution of that process. It's where it originated. So it kind of makes sense that that would probably be the first industry that started to look outside of that concept at a more evolved version of goals. And again, I find myself having to quantify quite a lot this time. I'm not saying that any of these sort of motivational poster type uh, business goals type sayings are the be all and end all. But I think it shows that even the area that SMART goals sort of came out of is not really looking at SMART goals anymore. Because of the very concrete nature of the format The times that I've used it with clients, and I will admit it's been quite a while because I realize that I don't really believe in them, I believe that SMART goals often set people up to fail. And like I said at the very start, if any variable changes in a SMART goal because it's so concrete, that goal then becomes redundant. It becomes fail. And you have to set a completely new goal to take into account the new circumstances. So... If I say I want to complete a three-year or a business degree at whatever uni within a three years, say it's a three-year course, and I get partway through, I get sick and I have to defer, it's going to take me four years to do the degree now. That original goal is now completely redundant. Even though I'm one year into the goal, I can't complete it. I can't finish it. I can't use that goal. My circumstances have changed and the goal isn't fluid enough to keep up. So I would then have to set a new SMART goal. I wish to complete my business degree within the next two and a half years. Or one and a half years, however long is left. And it becomes a then it then becomes a completely new goal. And my first original goal that I set before I started the course is completely redundant. It doesn't exist. It's a fail. If I was really living by these goals... That fail mentality of having to stop, reset, stop, reset, stop, reset these goals constantly. If you tallied up at the end of, say, a 10-year period, all of the SMART goals that someone has completed versus all the SMART goals that they've had to reject and rewrite, it would be phenomenally in the not completed favor. Our lives aren't structured enough. They're not concrete enough to be able to use such a concrete goal format to achieve what we want to achieve. The one caveat being really small goals. What do I want to do this morning? This morning, I want to send two emails to whoever about whatever. 
Do I really need a smart goal to do that? Yes, because the time frame is so much shorter, there's less chance of circumstances changing that would then neglect the goals. Cannot deny that. It can still happen, but the chance is lower. However, it would probably take me longer to write out the SMART goals than it would to actually do the task. So that highlights another issue with SMART goals in that for long-term goals, we heighten the risk that that goal is actually going to be redundant well before we ever achieve it if we're following this format. If, for whatever reason, I've seen clinicians try and do this, if we were to write out a SMART goal and leave the time off, so just a SMART goal, we still run the risk. We've obviously eliminated one variable that is able to negate the goal, and that's the time frame. So if we run over or under time, the goal is still valid. However, the whole purpose and the reason why business started using SMART goals was to increase productivity. It wasn't necessarily about your achieving goals that you've never done before. It was about increasing productivity, which is why it looks at tasks that are achievable within a certain time frame and they're realistic because they literally are things that you know that you can do. Smart goals are about productivity, not achieving things that you've never done before or haven't done for a long time or that you want to do. So I had a look online and I found another format of goals. And ironically enough, they're called dumb goals, D-U-M-B. And I thought I'd have a look and compare and see if there was much difference between smart and dumb goals. So a dumb goal is D, dream-driven, U, uplifting, M, method-friendly, and B is behavior-driven. Now, there's a few things that I actually quite like about this concept. Some are a little bit far out there, but I do like them on face value. Granted, I am openly admitting that I've never used these in practice, and I'm simply looking at the concept of them and comparing that to smart goals. The first thing I like is the dream. So dream may not be the the most appealing word to a healthcare setting, and I understand that. But when I have worked with clients in mental health and we are often looking at things like their preferred future or what are their ultimate goals, if they woke up tomorrow and some miracle had happened and they were living their dream life, that's a dream. We're trying to find out what their absolute 100%, 10 out of 10 ideal life would be so that we can start taking small steps to get closer and closer to it. The good thing about a dream is that it's not concrete. So if I start working with a guy and he's say, I might work with him on an acute mental health unit. So he's not, he might not be very well at that point in time. And he tells me that his dream is to become an astronaut and go to the moon. Sweet. So I'll start putting together and working with him some kind of treatment plan that takes into account the steps that he believes he needs to take to make that dream become a thing, to make that dream into his ideal life. Now, let's say a few weeks into working with this guy, he starts he starts to become a bit better. He's all of a sudden changed his mind. Oh, you know, I don't want to go to the moon, but I'd love flying. Maybe I could be a pilot. Sweet. Okay. Now, we're not actually changing anything per se unless 
he was, say, saving for a spacesuit. Now he might be saving for a flight suit. He's still just saving. The initial goals that we start, or the initial steps that we've started to take towards his dream, yes, the dream has changed, but the progress is probably going to be in a very similar direction. One of his goals at that stage may be something like get out of hospital. That's not going to change, even though the dream has shifted slightly. Even if the dream shifts dramatically and he goes, no, I don't want to be an astronaut, I want to be a radio host. A lot of the steps that we initially take might be around building resilience, building his community connections, getting him back home from hospital, that kind of stuff are still going to be relevant. If, hypothetically, there was one of those actions, whatever it may be, that was now redundant, there still would be some residual benefit gained from actually working towards that point for however long it was, a few weeks, say. There's still some benefit, things he might have learnt, skills he may have reignited that he may not have used for a while, or even the fact that it actually got him thinking positively when he was in hospital, the fact that he has a positive mindset that, yes, I am currently working towards my dream. That in itself is a completely unreplicatable benefit. It is so powerful, the power of being getting someone into a positive mindset of working towards their dreams not their goals, their dreams, that it that's the only thing that can possibly put them in that mindset is actually is doing it. Engaging them in the occupation of chasing down those dreams. There might be a myriad of occupations that we then have to work with them on. It might be that the guy needs to be able to live independently. It might be that he needs his driver's license. It might be that he needs to learn to use public transport. It might be that he needs to learn to sign his name and start a bank account. Whatever it is, as complex or as simple as the occupation is, we can use working towards someone's dream. Very fluid concept when I say dream, because it's not going to be the same. It's going to change. But working towards it, no matter what it is, is going to have a positive health benefit for anyone. Someone once described to me their, I guess, uh, metaphorical perspective of attaining goals or chasing goals. And the way he described it was, you can see, say, the mountain off in the distance, but it's dark. And you've got your headlights on and you're driving towards it. But you don't know which way the road goes. The road's not going to be dead straight and you're going to come up to intersections and you're going to have to take turns. And then you're going to get close and you're going to go, oh, no, wait, that's the mountain that I actually want to go to. So you're going to change direction. You're still on a general progression forward and you're still always chasing something better, that that dream, that forward momentum in your life. You're always working towards that. However, it's not always exactly the same point. The other aspect of dumb goals, I haven't, it's hard for me to form an opinion of without actually putting them into practice. Yes, I agree that goals should be uplifting. I mean, who wouldn't want goals that make them happy? Who bring them up? Uh, Nobody wants to set goals that's going to, you know, put them in the dumps and make them feel like crap. Method friendly, 
I believe could, depending on how that was implemented, could be a good thing. It's probably a, a very different way of saying achievable. Do you have the method of being able, being able to do it? Yeah. Uh, and behavior driven. I'm not entirely sure where that one's actually leading. It, it could be interpreted in multiple different ways. So I would prefer not to speculate. I do believe that in the language used within the dumb goals, there's one really key difference. And I think it is, again, the very key difference between something like business and healthcare. There's no emotional connection to what you're looking to work towards with a SMART goal. At least in the dumb goals, it talks about your dream. It talks about it being uplifting. It talks about it being linked to your behavior. There's a connection with what you're trying to achieve with the dumb goal when you're when you're laying it out using that format. Now I'm not again I'm not saying dumb goals are the be all and end all. I'm simply providing food for thought and my heavily weighted doubts against the use of smart goals and the need for an alternative. So in my clinical practice, what did I do? I told you earlier, I didn't use SMART goals. Didn't like them. They didn't fit my clients. They didn't fit. I've never used them myself. The only times I've written them were for uni assignments. And even then, I didn't actually complete them because the circumstances changed before they were finished. They became fail goals. So what did I do? Well, what did I do in clinical practice? I did a lot of work around my clients' value systems. What do they actually value in life? Where are their priorities? The other thing that we looked at was their dream. Like I said before, I talked about the miracle question. If you woke up in the morning and a miracle had happened and all of a sudden you were leading your absolute 10 out of 10 ideal dream life, tell me what that would look like. What would people be saying about you? What would you be feeling? What would people notice was different about you? Tell me in great detail what your life would be like in that 10 out of 10 perfect life. Then what's one thing that we can do between now and when I see you next in a few days that we can take a step towards that? The next time you see someone, you might reevaluate that whole goal. The whole dream might be different. But what is one step that you can take then towards that dream, that version of the dream? The basic concept for me when I was working with people around goals wasn't that they were concrete and wasn't that they were set in stone. It was about progress. It was about constantly taking steps forward or trying to. That was the aim, was to constantly try and take steps forward. I'm not saying it always happened, but that was the aim. If you did happen to take a step back one week, that's okay. We reassess. Now, what do we need to do to take a step forward for this next coming week? It was about progress. Uh, some of you may know I'm also a powerlifting coach uh, and a powerlifter. And this is something that I try and get across to my athletes as well. It's about progress. A lot of athletes tend to get stuck on, I want to hit this number and this number and this number. I want to squat this much. I want to bench this much. I want to deadlift this much. And they, funnily enough, they'll usually put a time frame on it. I think, again, in like most people, indoctrinated into that smart goal regime. One thing I try and get them to do is fall in love with the process because the process is essentially where the magic happens. And that's not just a powerlifting thing. It's a life thing. If you fall in love with the process of 
taking steps forward, if you fall in love with the process of bettering yourself, doesn't matter if you never reach any of those dreams ever. I'm guaranteed you will, but it doesn't matter if you didn't because you would be happy, you would be healthy, and you would be constantly being working towards being a better version of yourself. I 100% can guarantee if you make that a routine, if you make that a habit in your life, you will reach every goal that you want and more. And you will leave yourself open to opportunities that might be originally outside of the scope of a smart goal. So to try and summarize this, I've, I hope it's, it's really obvious to me that this is something that I'm really passionate about. To try and summarize the reasons I don't agree with the smart goal concept in a healthcare setting are the fact that they are so concrete that they do not take into account the fluid and quite rapidly sometimes changing circumstances that we live in as human beings. They also put a ceiling on the things that we can do. We're only doing things that we already know that we can do before we even start. Because we actually have to put that in the goal. It has to be attainable. If it's not attainable, we technically shouldn't be doing it, which is ridiculous. We also had a look at dumb goals, which have some different aspect. It takes a different perspective. It's more dream-driven, which is something that, on terms of working with people, I believe can have a lot more benefit. I also discuss the fact that I often look at things like uh, miracle question, like a solution-focused brief intervention is where, where some of this stuff is from. So it's about looking at where the person, no holds barred, no barriers, no costs, no anything, where they would want to be in their life, and then taking steps towards that, knowing full well that that goalpost is gonna move because that's how the world works we're humans we're not machines we're not we're not meant to punch out the same numbers every time you enter the same function so we need to treat people like people and not machines or functions thank you all for taking the time to listen to this podcast i hope it's provided you with some food for thought like i said i wasn't trying to present one option as better than the other i was simply giving my opinion on the very common smart goal format but i hope that i provided at least enough alternate ideas for you to have a look at and have a reflect have a think about how you use these goals one in your own life and two with your clients there might be a better way investigate some other ways if you only know how to do smart goals how do you know that they're the best that's the challenge i'm putting out to you have a think have a reflect do some research get in contact Get in contact with me and let me know if there's any other ways that you use goal setting, any other formats, any other methods that you use with your clinical practice or with yourself. Again, thanks for listening. And as always, thank you so much for your support. I really appreciate it. Uh, This podcast has gone above and beyond and reached more people than I ever even believed that we could. So I, I can't thank you enough. As usual, get in contact with me, brock.cook at me.com. If you have any ideas that you would like discussed or any people that you'd like me to talk to, if you'd like to talk to me, get in contact. Let's start a conversation and let's see what we can arrange. Thank you very much. And as always, keep occupied.